0: to be here. Uh, he might have lied to you guys on what an effective communicator, whatever I am. He did not lie to you on how awesome my family is. My wife's here on the second row and she's a, she's a counselor at elementary school and then she's an LPC, works at a Christian counseling center there in the town we live and uh, work close by. And then my daughter, she's an RN, uh, working on her BSN and works at Cook's Children's in uh, Fort Worth. And then my son, uh, is, uh, plays men's indoor volleyball at Missouri Baptist University in St. Louis, Missouri and uh, loves the Lord and loves to teach and I am so proud of my family and I wouldn't be here today without them and so it's awesome that they get to listen to dad. They only came to see Jared's daughter, uh, Harper Kay. Uh, I think the only reason my family showed up today, they've heard me plenty, but I'm I'm glad they're here. And when I got asked by Travis to speak, he sent me an email earlier in the week, and he's like, hey, here's how the night's going to go, or the morning's going to go, uh, you're going to get up there, and uh, Nick's going to introduce you, send Jared your slides, and then I'm going to be gone, but I might not be gone, and I'm going to do... and." And I I know these guys. Uh, Travis has been a friend of mine. I actually got to speak at one of his youth deals way back in the day when I was new to the ministry and do. And he put some faith and trust in me, invited me to come speak to some kids, and uh, and and it was awesome. And then I've known Nick forever and Jared forever, and I was like, "Why do you need me if you have all of them?" And he's like, "Well, we we want you to come and we'll do." And so you guys are so blessed, and I just. I don't take lightly how honored I am to get to be here with you guys today and and what you get to hear every week. If you're mad because I'm here, don't worry. We'll be back to regular scheduled programming next week on the book of Jonah. Uh, Y'all just finished a five-week series uh, on James, right? Travis, he really knocked it out of the park. I love the book of James as well because James and I have a lot in common. We don't sugarcoat a whole lot. We tell you how it's going to be and what it's going to look like, and And James is just very direct, the half-brother of Jesus, and Travis did a fantastic job. You know, had a little break in there where Jared got to tell you about Paul and Silas, and in the suffering, you got to hear about you know finding joy in the suffering and the, and the prison guard that almost killed himself, but Paul and Silas didn't do that, and so it's just you know, the, the teaching leading up to this has been awesome, and I tell you that I go back and listen to all that because I have showed up at a church and preached the same set of scriptures the pastor preached the week before. So I start preaching, people start snickering, and I'm like, well, they laughing at it. I got some of my teeth, my zipper's up, I'm trying to look, and and they start, and I finally get done, and I think I did a pretty good job, and people are still laughing, they walk up and they're like, hey, that was awesome, our pastor did that last week. So I now go back and I pay attention to what I'm going to say, so what we're going to hear today will be different than what you've heard, at least for the last six weeks. Um, not sure it'll be much different than, than uh, outside of that, but coming in, I think Travis, in the second week of that series, came up with a saying that says, if you don't do what you know you should. It won't do you any good. Y'all are good listeners. I appreciate that. And and that kind of inspired where we're headed today in a message I'm going to call Detour. So I want to pray for us, and then we'll jump right into the scripture. If you got your Bible, we'll be in Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. So Father, I love you. I thank you that I get to be here today. I thank you that, that you are awesome. You are good, and you are the only reason we have hope, and so I just pray that as we talk about detours in our life today, that uh, that we learn more about you, grow closer to you, Lord, that your words would pierce our hearts, and that would be what is spoken today, that I wouldn't speak my words, but I would speak your words, Father. And so, Lord, just fill this place with your Holy Spirit and use us in a mighty way, and we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, and so I want to read to you the scripture we're going to focus on, and then we'll jump back into... Uh, the message here. So Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12, tell us this. It says, On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps, much like the one above my head. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus sat on the windowsill, and became very drowsy. And finally, he fell asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Paul went down, bent over him, took him up into his arms, and said, Don't worry, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and they ate together. And Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. Now, when the pastor starts talking about a message that starts in the evening, goes to midnight, and even past midnight, you get a little nervous. I promise, I won't be long today. But, but when Paul talks about this and we look at this, we talk about detours in our life and what that looks like. And so the first thing I want you to know is detours are inevitable. Much like you learned in James suffering is inevitable it's not if we suffer it's when we suffer right and detours are going to happen in our lives and And I remember rodeoing with my wife back when you had to use a map some of you don't even know what like a paper map looks like anymore we used to have the road atlas anybody in here know what a road atlas looked like yeah and you used to have to get it across the country and figure out where you were going to go and my wife and I'd be rodeoing headed over here to east Texas to all the UPRA amateur rodeos and she'd have the map upside down I'd be like honey if you'll Flip that over, we'll get there better. And, and then we'd get to town, and it was always this argument. Because I'm always last minute, we're never on time for anything. My wife is super punctual, super organized, and very on time. And she just, when we would get close to the town, she's like, stop at the first gas station you see and ask the person where the rodeo is. And I'm like, nah, I got this. Surely there's another horse trailer headed there. I'm going to follow a horse trailer, or it's a rodeo in a small town. How can I miss it? And after circling the town and detouring for a hot minute, you know, going one side of town, back, north side, south side, do all that, I would finally stop and ask, and then we would know where the rodeo was. Y'all remember those days having to travel with a map, not knowing, like you couldn't punch it in your GPS? Like it wasn't in your car, on your phone, anywhere you wanted to go? And so it was easy to get detoured then because you didn't really have something guiding you exactly where to go right then. And I love Apple Maps, and I love where those Tell us, but sometimes we are going to get sent off course, and we got how we handle that is up to us, and that's what we look at in Paul's life. Paul ends up in a in a town called Troas, and he wasn't planning on going to Troas. And we'll look, and we'll look at the map up here, and we'll look at Paul's missionary journey. So Paul's third missionary journey, he started on land over here on the left side of your screen at the top. This is Syria, and he travels all through up and around and down, and the green on the what is your left-hand side of the screen uh, is Greece. And so he ends up over there, and he's going to go around, and he's in Greece, so he stays In Ephesus, three months. He stays in Macedonia and he goes down to Greece for three months and he wants to go back to Syria. And so, Greece is over here on your left hand side of the screen and on the right hand side of the screen. This is Syria. So, the quickest way would be to hop on a ship over here and head and head back. Right? Makes sense? Simple enough. Paul was going to do that because he was trying to get back to Jerusalem to give them the offerings that he's collected on his missionary journey from all of these Gentile churches and he wants to give the church in Jerusalem their offering. It was going to be this beautiful moment and he was excited to get back and get to do that. How many of y'all get excited about going some places, doing some things, and then you realize you don't get to go do it? It's kind of a letdown, isn't it? Well, sometimes that happens in life and Paul has this detour moment because... They tell him and warn him that if he gets on this ship from Greece to Syria, they want to kill him. Their plot is to throw him overboard in the middle of this sea, the Mediterranean Sea here, and he's going to end up overboard. And so Paul, instead of traveling back by ship from Greece, he starts back up and around, and it says that he spent the Passover in Philippi, and he ends up in the town where we're at today in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, in Troas. And so... Paul ends up and he goes back and that's, that's where he's at today. And before we get to verse 7, I want you to see the second point for today is that distractions cause detours. Distractions in our lives will get us off course from where God wants us to go. I mean, it, it's going to happen. If you get to looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, not that they're bad, but they're not good, you, you won't head where God wants you to head. It, it just never fails. Last night, we had this moment. We left the church my son spoke at, and there was a guy kind of standing there in the ditch, and it was kind of weird. And so we, we went around him, and then we're following some friends, and I've got it in my Apple Maps, my Maps telling me to exit, and I just, I'm distracted. We're talking about the night and the kids, and I mean, I just drive right by the exit, right? I mean, it happens. When we get distracted, we're going to have to detour, my map has to reroute, and I have to go to the next exit, bust a U-turn, come back, and get back on the road I was on. Right? We've all been there. And that's what happens when we get distracted, and distractions will lead us off course, take us to places we never wanted to be, things we never wanted to do, and be never be who we didn't want to be. Right? And that's what being distracted will do. And that's what Jesus talks about um, in Luke chapter 9. He's got some people asking about in verses 57 through 62. Some guys are asking him, and they say they want to follow him. And Jesus is telling them, hey, well, then leave your family and come with me in 57. And then he tells one, you know, you've got you've to leave everything. And the guy says, let me bury my father. And he said, let the, Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. And then he gets to verse 62, and these guys have all these excuses for why they can't wholeheartedly follow Jesus. They were distracted by other things. He wasn't going to be the most important thing in their life. And we see right here in this moment... Jesus gives them some words, and and man, they are incredible words to live by to keep us from getting distracted. He says, any man who sets his hand to the plow then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Man, I grew up in a trailer park. I don't know a whole lot about plowing until I met my wife and her family. They owned some land, and they plowed. They were peanut farmers and did, and then she decided one year we were going to plant a garden and sell it as a produce stand and make money. If you ever get to the the deep desire to do that, I highly discourage it. It's a horrible way to make a living, and you work, 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 and you sit on the side of the road and pedal your wares and hope your zucchini doesn't go bad before somebody buys it, right? And so I, when we did that, and you start plowing, one thing you know about plowing is, is if you're plowing along, driving the tractor, doing it by horse, uh, and whatever, if you look back, your row's going to get crooked. And when you make one row crooked, it's hard to make the next row straight. And once you get distracted and get off course, man, it's hard to stay straight, narrow, where you need to be. And that's what Jesus meant. He said, we can't go where God wants us to go looking at everything else around us, worried about what's happened in the past. We can't worry about how crooked the row is behind us. We've got to stay hooked and keep both hands on the plow and look straight ahead that's what distraction does is it makes our roads crooked. It makes our lives harder than God intended them to be. And distractions always lead to a detour, a crooked road that we didn't end up on. We didn't want to be at. And so that's what that's what Jesus had to say about it. And so we're sitting here and we're back to this moment where Paul has ended up in Troas and, and we've got this, this situation where He's sitting, wanting to get back to do something so good. He wants to give the offering back to the church in Jerusalem. And everywhere he turns, it feels like he just can't get there. And so verse 7, he ends up in this town, and he says that, On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. So what did Paul do when he got detoured? He stayed the course. What was he supposed to do the first day of the week? What are y'all doing today? You're here at church. Paul knew on the first day of the week, the believers gathered all the time. They gathered in each other's homes. They did, but they knew that the Lord had instructed that on the first day of the week, they should gather together and come together as a body of believers. Your week goes different when you don't show up here, right? Things don't go quite like they should when you don't get filled up and you don't get surrounded. You don't come to this place and get loved on. And Paul knew that no matter what detour had happened in his life, he was going to be right where he was supposed to be. He was on the, on the first day of the week, which was sunset to sunset in these days. So in the evening of Saturday night, Paul started preaching. He met with the people. He was there seven days waiting on his ship to finally take him back to Jerusalem. It was the last time he would talk to the people in Troas. And Paul is sitting there, and and he is just going to give them all he's got. He knows they need to be together, and so he just preaches. And about midnight, which that's some preaching, right? I mean, he started at sunset, and about midnight, he's still going. Some of y'all aren't enthused by that verse 8 says the upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering amps lamps and so the reason this is prevalent and mentioned in in the book today or in the in the text is because the early church under their persecution got accused of meeting at night and what really happens in the dark does good stuff happen in the dark most of the time unless you're married and the lights are off outside of that oh there's only one person that thinks that's funny You're in church, people. If you're married, get after it, right? If you're not married, stop. So in the dark, most of the time is when sin hides and darkness reigns. That's not where you want to be, right? Well, the early church meeting at night having to be secretive, the, the religious leaders of the day would accuse them of doing things they shouldn't be doing which they really weren't. And so when they met in this third-story upper room, they had flickering lamps all around the room as to not be accused of trying to hide anything in the dark, right? That's why this is in the text, so you would know that they were they were together doing what they felt the Lord called them to do. And then verse 9, this is, this really, I love this. We see this, that as Paul spoke on and on. Y'all ever been there? Preacher on and on. Y'all are like, you're getting there to me, Brandon. I wish you would hurry up. Let's get somewhere. Right? He goes on and on. Paul preached on and on and on and on. A young man named Eutychus was sitting on the windowsill, and he became very drowsy. I'm like Eutychus. You put me in an air-conditioned building after being outside in the heat, doing, I'm liable to fall asleep if the preacher goes on and on and on. Right? Eutychus is is sitting in the windowsill, and it says, he fell drowsy, and finally he fell sound asleep, and then he dropped three stories to his death. So you take the youth part that's above us in the offices, you go on the roof of this building, you fall off, you're dead. That's Eutychus. And right here in verse 9, we see in a lot of the commentaries, a lot of the preachers I read, they really focus on this part right here. They focus on, and their message is always, don't fall asleep on the Lord, right? You fall asleep on the Lord, you fall to your death. And uh, I just, I don't want to kick Eutychus while he's down. My man was sitting there. What are they fixing to do? They're fixing to have the Lord's Supper, so they haven't eaten. Paul's been preaching for hours. He sits in a windowsill. He gets still. All these fumes of all of these lamps are there. He falls asleep, like some of you are about to out the window, falls to his death, and everybody wants to kick Eutychus for falling asleep during church. And I mean, I've been Eutychus. I've fallen asleep in church, and I'm not going to lie, I've fallen asleep in life. I've let some distractions take me on some detours I should have never been on, been places I shouldn't have been, doing things I shouldn't have done. And I've fallen asleep in my spiritual life. So I'm not going to kick Eutychus today. I mean, my man was just trying to listen to Paul. And that's what happens. We see the, our very next point, and, and ironically, I'll share this with you. Ironically, Eutychus' name means fortunate. <laughs> I would almost name this message, fortunate, misfortune, because he does come back to life. But I was just like, that's, that's a funny name for a guy that falls asleep during church, dies, and then gets resurrected. Fortunate. But that's Eutychus' name. And so as we, we get right here, verse 10, we see what Paul does. And it says, Paul went down, bent over him, took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said. He's alive. Can you imagine preaching? I've never preached so bad I killed anybody. I've preached pretty bad sometimes, but nobody's ever died in the middle of one of my messages. So if you're feeling it today, like you, you, you hadn't been doing your, you're taking your pills, step outside, don't die during my preaching. <laughs> right? Right? But Paul... In the middle of this, this guy dies, falls out of the window. He goes downstairs, and this is the only person we hear recorded that Paul resurrects from the dead. He lays on him on the ground. The, the, the commentary tells he lays on him, embraced him, and I guess, I don't know if Paul was talking to the Lord, and he said, Lord, you better wake him up. I still got preaching to do. They ain't going to listen to me if this guy dies. Like, he has this detour moment. He could have said, I mean, no offense, sir, you die of a heart attack, church is probably over. Like, we're not going to drag you around the corner and then just keep going, right? That's not how this is going to work. Paul says, I'm not going to stop preaching. I'm going to go down here. I'm going to trust the Lord in this detour, and I'm going to be like, Lord, you better wake him up,' you know? Paul says, don't worry, guys. He's alive. Guy hops up. Eutychus says, let's get back to preaching. Paul goes upstairs in verses 11 and 12. They have the Lord's Supper. They preach and tell uh, sunset, sunrise, Eutychus goes home alive and well. What an incredible moment. What an incredible story. And that's what we need to see about Eutychus' life is that not all detours are distractions. Right? Not all detours are distractions. Distractions always lead to a detour, but just because you've been detoured doesn't mean it's a distraction that caused it. Sometimes God allows us to get a big detour sign in our life to see if we'll trust Him. Just like suffering, just like temptation, y'all learned about in James. It doesn't always happen because you've got some secret sin in your life that you hadn't confessed, and so the Lord's really dealing with you. Sometimes God just puts a detour in your path to go, Will you listen? Will you follow me? It's not always a distraction that, that, that causes it. Sometimes the Lord allows it. So he knows whether we're going to keep our hands to the plow and keep focused on him when this guy dies in the middle of our message, right? And Paul brings him back to life, and he raises him from the dead. I mean, it's no different than what did, uh, what did y'all learn with Travis, the, the blind man in Luke 9, earlier in Luke 9 from what I read. Blind man sitting there, blind. He didn't have any secret sin in his life. The only reason that man was blind, so when Jesus walked by and Jesus healed him, it could be proven the power that Jesus had. That's why the blind man was blind. That's why Eutychus fell asleep. It wasn't anything Eutychus did other than showing up, trying to listen, and he falls asleep. He fell asleep so that the glory of God could be made known through Paul. Eutychus doesn't fall asleep and die. Do you think the people in Troas have his memorable uh, experience with Paul on his last missionary journey? I don't think so. I think that really changed some people's mind about Paul. Right? I start raising people from the dead, you're like, oh, this Brennan guy can do it right? You you might start listening a little more intently. And that's what happened with Eutychus. That's why I didn't kick him while he was down. I don't think he did anything wrong. I think he was just a detour God used to get back on track. And so when we have this moment and we live our life, the thing we need to know is, is, are you too busy for God's detours? Are you too busy for God to put a detour sign up and take it? Because I know in my life, I like to go fast. I like to mash the gas, and we go hard, and my son was playing volleyball, my daughter's in school, my wife was in school, and I mean, we, we, we like to do it at the Henderson House, so we go everywhere we can. We like to experience it. My wife puts together a spreadsheet when we go on vacation, And it has everything mapped out, what time we do this, what time we do that. And believe it or not, we work in all sorts of stuff that aren't on the spreadsheet. But we get so much done because my wife's organization and my willingness to just go, right? And we do those things. And we get so busy and going so fast, we really don't have any time for interruptions or detours like we're talking about today. And I know in my own life, I've caused my own detours. I've gotten distracted. I've been in some pits and some really bad places, and it's a message for a different day. And I'm a story of what God can do on the other side of those. And sometimes I'm just trusting the Lord with all that I am, trying to be in tune with him. And I just get so busy with life, there's just no time for him to interrupt. I don't have time for him to distract me or to give me, send me on a detour. And so I've really been trying to work on this as I've read through the book of Acts and you hear about Paul who spent three months here and then he spent three months here and he's trying to get back here and he does. And, and uh, the other day I'm driving down the road and I'm trying to be in tune and anybody got CarPlay on your deal where you put the deal on your phone, put the map up, it pl- shows it on the screen in your, in your car? You got CarPlay with the map on it, Apple Maps? Yeah, okay, there's three of you. I appreciate that. The rest of y'all should look into upgrading vehicles. Um, but they're there. And the other day I'm driving home. I go straight up 287 north of Fort Worth. We live we live north of Fort Worth, Decatur, and uh, and we're coming up 287. And I'm watching my map, and I've really been trying to slow down and and trust the Lord. And and it always tends to happen when I come home from camp. I'm on camp high, and I just got to go spend one day with my kids up there. But I just I love that. And so you go and you're like, all right, I'm I just want to be where you want me to be, God. And my wife and I've been talking about, you know, I'm. I'm blessed to get to do what I do for a living, but we've been talking about maybe doing something different. It was a family-owned business, and my dad's taking on some partners, and it's just gotten really big, and, and so it's not what it once was, and so I'm kind of looking into some different things, and so we're praying about that, and we're just in this season, and I'm driving up 287, and my map, I'm on 287. My map shows me exiting. My, my blue line moves and my arrow moves. It shows me get off the highway, go up about a half a mile, hit a roundabout, Hit a side road, cut it over, hit another roundabout, come back down, and the whole time I never get off 287. It's doing all this on its own over here, and I'm cutting straight up 287. I never left, there's no traffic, it wasn't a better route. It just happened, and then all of a sudden I get on the exit on my blue map, and then it catches back up with me, and I'm driving. And one, I'm thinking, I hadn't smoked anything funny. <laughs> like, why did this happen? I didn't eat Taco Bell. I'm not hallucinating. And like it legit happened. And y'all don't please don't think I'm crazy. The only person I've told before today is my wife. But I was just like, what was that? And I just really felt like it was God going, hey, go drive that. Go check it out. And I was like, I got somewhere to be. And I just couldn't, I couldn't shake it. So I turned around. And I went and drove that route. And Nothing really happened, nothing really changed. I saw a business that I was looking into. They had bought some other businesses and there was like five, I passed four of them on that route. And it just felt really weird and nothing's changed about it, but I really felt like God was testing my obedience in that moment of will you take the detour? Will you go where I'm asking you to go? And that's what took me back to my wife and I early in the ministry. And I just kind of broke me because I used to do that all the time. Man, God would God would throw a sign up and I would just be right where he wanted me to be, and cool things would happen to me and and I got so busy with life I quit having time for him. And I remember early in the ministry, I was a young pastor, pastoring a church, and we had three services. My church, my cell phone was the church phone. Um I met with everybody i did everything so if you got problems call somebody besides travis every now and then give him a break uh, but don't be afraid to call him but if you've met with travis three times and talked about the same thing three times either fix it or talk to somebody else with some different advice right um but i had this guy call and want to go to lunch i didn't want to go to lunch with this guy because i'd met with him and he wasn't really going to change and there was a walmart big parking lot two lane road little parking lot in a strip center across from the walmart right y'all been there And so I get there to have lunch with this guy I wasn't really excited about, and I can't find a parking space over there, so i got to park over in the Walmart parking lot. They're building some other big box stores past that, so I'm parked facing nothing but construction. I go in, I have an hour and a half lunch with a guy talking about the same stuff we've always talked about. I get done with my lunch, hour and a half of my life, I'm never going to get back, and I'm sitting in my truck catching up on some text messages, Right? And I see this guy from our town. He came to church on occasion, but he wasn't like a member. But when he came, he came to like a lot of events we put on, and he was always willing to help. He's like, what do you need me to do? And I'm like, man, just hang out. That's why we put this event on. He's like, no, I'll do something. And so he's a big burly dude, and, and he comes walking by, and I see him. And he sees me. I was driving an old beater truck at the time, and he knew it was mine. And so we kind of wave. Well, I go back to doing what I'm doing, and I just felt like the Lord go, will not you look up? And I look up, and this guys he just keeps walking. He's walking to nothing. He's walking off into this construction, a big, empty field. So I honk, and I wave him back, and he tries to wave off and keep walking. I honk again. I'm like, come back over here. I mean, I was committed, but not enough to get out of the truck. And uh, I roll my window down, and he comes up to the passenger side of my truck, and he just starts bawling. He's like, what are you doing here? I said, I just got done having lunch with a guy. Don't beat me up. And he goes, no, really, what are you doing here? And this big man is just crying his eyes out. I said, it sounds to me like you need to tell me what I'm doing here. I don't know why I'm here. And uh, and he, he just kept crying, and he eventually tells me that his life's in shambles. Him and his wife are in a, in a bad way, and she's he just got out of the hospital, and they had a fight, and she left him in the Walmart parking lot, and she's going home, and she wants a divorce, and he's just telling me all of his stories. And I'm like, man, I what can I do for you? What can I do for you? I'm here for some reason, what can I do? And he hands me this black bag, and it looked like a money bag, but it was, it was a little wider, and it had a zipper top, and he hands it to me, and I think it's drugs or something like that, and, uh, and he goes, I need you to take this, and I said, I got it, I got it. He goes, no, I need you to take it. And I said, I got it, and he said, you, you need to open that, and I said, right now, I got plausible deniability about what's in my truck in this bag. <laughs> You want me to open it? He said, yeah, open it. I open that bag, and I pull out a 38 pistol in its case. He tells me it was his uncle's police-issued weapon that he inherited. Had three wore-out bullets in there. And in tears, he tells me I was headed to that dumpster to go behind it and shoot myself. I mean, I'm just a kid. And I don't know what to do to help the guy. I prayed with him. I took the gun. I took the bag. I gave him all the cash I had. I was in the ministry at the time, so it wasn't a bunch. But I gave him all the cash I had. I offered him a ride. He didn't want it. He said I gave him enough cash to get a room for the night. He'd figure out how to get home uh, the next day. And and I was just awestruck about being where God wanted me to be and not too busy to stop and slow down. I didn't want to be there. I could have jumped in my truck and put it in gear. I had work to do back at the church, but I stopped. I replied to some people on some text message. I did some things, and, and I, God could have used anybody in that moment. I did nothing great. God used my obedience to be where he wanted me to be, to meet with the guy and have lunch, to see that guy, to change that guy's life. And that's my question for you. What are you doing in life to slow down enough that when God gives you a detour, you go, okay, God, I'm here. I don't want to be pissed about it. What do I need to do? Who can I help? What do I need to learn through this? And that's what God wants from us. He wants, man, us to not detour on our own, for sure, to not get distracted and detour, but he wants us to live a life so in tune with him that when he says, hey, this is the wrong road, it looks right, it looks good, it definitely sounds good, but it's the wrong road for you. Are you willing to trust me and go on a different road? That's what God wants from us. Are we going to do that? Are you willing? And then if you're here today, whether you got drug here, you came here by detour or distraction, are you going to trust him? Are you going to give him your life? Are you going to allow God to detour the life you're on, which you know you need help, you're tired of living it, and you wanted something different, and Jesus is the different you need? He's the different we all need. Are you going to let God detour your life? Let's pray. Father, I love you. And I thank you. I thank you for Paul's ministry. I thank you that no matter what got thrown at him, whether shipwrecked and left for dead or living high on the hog, God, he was willing to be your vessel. Whatever detour popped up, whether man-made or made by you, he just ran with it, Lord. He saw every turn as an opportunity to trust you more. So Lord, I just ask that you forgive us when we don't trust you enough to go on the detours you place in our life. Lord, I ask that you would give us the boldness and the courage to be so in tune with you that when you tell us to go a different direction, we'll go it. may our lives never be so busy we don't have time for the people you've called us to love and Father I just pray that if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you they'd come to know you that's lived a distracted detour filled life all caused on their own and they feel like they're in the bottom of the pit and they wish there was somebody standing there waving them back going don't go over there don't go over there there's better things for you over here I pray they recognize that that's this moment right here. They'd recognize you, Lord. Calling them home. Not because they're good, but because in the middle of the wreck and the mess of their life, you are good. So Lord, help us to be a people that love people. We can only do it through you, and by you, and with you, and it only comes from the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for it, Lord. Amen.